Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Welcome to Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode number 32, in which I'm going to talk about what it means to be circus famous and what to do if you are. Particularly if it was kind of a surprise. First, thank you to everyone who's been asking me how the residency went. I just got home yesterday, and to answer that question, the residency was a success. I did what I came to do. It was productive. It was a lot of things. Uh, It's very confronting if you've never done it before, and it depends on the residency, but this one in particular was very solo. It was just me in the whole house, in the whole studio, uh, which is what I wanted, but like that's quite a moment to walk into a space and be like, well, it's just me and my brain for the next five days. Oh God, what have I done? And there was a significant amount of that. Uh, and you you just have to kind of put your own boundaries in place and create a structure for yourself. Because otherwise, when left to our own devices, like we can just go feral. Is that just me? I, I can go feral. And it, I was d- definitely in like a dank, swampy cave of my own mind. Um which again, is what I wanted. And it worked. So thank you. The residency uh, was great. Uh, That's one word for it. It was successful. I am happy to be home now. I'm grateful for the opportunity. If you have other questions about residencies or uh, what to do if you're awarded one and how to structure them, let me know. Uh, I'd be happy to dive into that more. But onwards and upwards, I I got this question ages ago from my friend Jess, how does one become circus famous? I find this a truly interesting phenomenon because circus celebrity is a household name, but only in a very niche community. Sometimes not even in all of circus, but only within the community of the specific discipline and sometimes a location. Uh, And she's just asking uh, to hear my opinions on how this stardom develops. And I, I have, as always, opinions. So I'm going to be coming at this from a kind of a mixed perspective because I would not consider myself to be circus famous. And some people would disagree with that. And some people would agree with that. Really depends on your perspective. Uh, I I know that personally in my lived experience, I do have name recognition, particularly in some uh, communities geographically, most notably uh, in Ireland and in San Francisco and in the Bay Area and in Seattle because... Those are the places I spent the most time. And that is our first clue into uh, how this stardom develops. How does name recognition develop? And from where I'm sitting, there are two ways that this happens. One, something that you make goes viral and it gets shared a bajillion D times and suddenly the eyes that are on you skyrocket overnight. That's virality, and something that's unique (laughs) to our current life situation. So that's one way. And the other way is a nice, long, slow, organic growth that can have uh, hits of virality in it, but not necessarily just a, a flash in the pan. It will come as no surprise to any of you that, uh, to me, 
virality sounds terrible. Um, it, it doesn't sound sustainable. It sounds overwhelming. And the quality of the relationships resulting from it uh, are questionable. When um, a longer and more organic growth that happens just by you showing up consistently can build very strong and positive relationships, not only with the people that you're interacting with, but your own relationship with whatever platform you're using to share your work. So to share some wisdom that I've gotten on the matter um, from other people, I I got to teach alongside Tanya Burka uh, several years ago. I think we were in Texas. I don't remember. God, it was a long time ago. Uh, And we were talking about name recognition and... um, you know Tanya Burka because she's circus famous. And she's talking about how that's really weird. <laughs> it's it's weird to be known and for people to know you for something so niche. Uh, but hey, there it is. And uh, she had also mentioned something to me. She was like, you know, people have to hear your name like a billion times before they remember you even exist. And she was telling me this in the con- in, in the context of casting directors, like, and people who are producing work, like, they they don't just hear your name once and they're like, ooh, you, they hear your name like a thousand times. And you're like, okay, I keep hearing this name. What, who is this? And I thought there was a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, and the other bit of advice that I got about this was from my dad, um, who was also well known in an extremely niche way, because he's a weird chiropractor that only does soft tissue work and has been using his own techniques um, for like 40 years. And he's so good at what he does. And he's so specialized. And one day I was like, Dad, I wish you were famous. And he said, I am. <laughs> he thought, I am famous. It's just in a really small community. I'm like, okay. Uh, and he had given me a piece of advice before I moved He said, Rachel, when you move somewhere new, you have to take possession of the place. And to take possession of the place, you have to give yourself generously to that place. And the the time that I best followed his advice was when I moved to Seattle in 2009. And I was just in a place in my life and in my career where I could give generously, copiously, and abundantly. And I did. I I just, I showed up everywhere. I had tons of energy. I wanted to be involved in all of the things. And as a result, like the community that I had in Seattle, I was only there for four years, but the whole time was just, it was very rich, very rich with community and opportunities because I was out there putting my hands in all the pots. But name recognition in a sustainable way comes from showing up repeatedly and being there, whether it's in person, uh, if you want to be well-known in a local community, or online, if you want to be well-known on Instagram. And by the way, we're not even discussing the question of whether or not you should want to be. That's your call. Like You, you decide. There's, it's a double-edged sword. I think that everyone can see that. But I do know that what What small amount of name recognition I have, I did not seek out. Uh, I think in that way, madness lies. If that's like the intention, good Lord, Mm, that sounds terrible. Um, But yeah, I did not seek it out. It was a side effect 
of what I was doing, which was being in places over and over and over again and contributing to those spaces generously over a long period of time. It doesn't necessarily happen on purpose. It's just a side effect of you doing what you want to do. Because if you show up somewhere and you contribute to something over and over again, then everybody knows your name. How did people become circus famous before social media? I don't know. Um, being legendary, I suppose, and uh, and winning gold medals. And yeah, that's my answer there. But that's not uh, the reality that we're living in anymore. Like, you can still do that, and it will probably still work. Uh, but now we do have social media, and it is not going anywhere, and neither is it the fallout. So let's take a second to talk about how that can work, um, because I feel like the the common uh, opinion, uh, when when someone thinks about Okay, I'm going to use social media to become really well known. So that means I have to create content, 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 and put it out there, put it out there, put it out there. And there's quite a bit to be said for that. Uh, but in the case of a, of a circus artist who becomes well known on social media, it is not just because that artist is generating a lot of work. It's because everybody else is sharing that artist's work and forwarding it. And there's a term for this. It's called user-generated content. And it's kind of gold if you want a lot of eyes on you. And if you are a working artist, more eyes are generally a good thing, a good and positive thing. And we'll talk about the reasons for that in a second. But if you are listening to this episode and, uh, and wondering to yourself, well, I want more eyes on me. I want people to share the work that I'm making. Uh, I want to create user-generated content because everybody else wants to share the cool stuff that I make. How can I do that? Um, My personal answer to that is to make the cool shit that you want to make and do not play it safe. I do not believe in pandering. I don't believe in trying to guess what people want to see and then giving that to them. That sounds awful uh, and blech. But if you're showing up consistently, you're sharing consistently, and you are working in integrity with your creative vision and taking chances um, and not afraid to look stupid, uh, then you're probably going to make things that, that people are like, that's cool. I, I, I'm going to share that. And maybe not. You know, there's no guarantee. But that would be my advice, uh, which is pretty much always my advice. Do the thing that you want to do and don't play it safe. Take all of the outrageous creative risks uh, that sound good and fun and decent to you. And again, I'll just make a note here that I hope that you're not approaching sharing your work from the lens of, I want to do this to get famous uh, because I just don't feel like that is going to be healthy for you in the long run. Mostly because it's very much out of your immediate control. You can do the things that we have been speaking about. You can show up, you can make a lot of work, you can share and share. Uh, But yeah, when the objective ends up being so far outside of of your own sphere of influence and control, um, I feel like things get dicey there. But let's talk about like, what's the point? Why, 
why would someone want a lot of eyes on them? Um, the double-edged sword is, let's talk about the bad side first. Um, one, it can be extremely overwhelming. Uh, people can be assholes on the internet. And when someone sees that you have a high follower count or that you have a lot of name recognition, they can forget that you're a person or they just don't care. Um, sometimes the trolls come out of the woodwork, all the awful stuff that comes with, you know, being on the internet. That can happen and people can feel very entitled to you and to your work and your content. And they can speak to you from a place of intimacy, which that feels earned to them because they've been following you for a long time, um, but it doesn't feel earned to you. And if you're not if you're not prepared for it, you don't have any experience there, that can feel really strange. But it's just another skill. So why, like, what's the good parts? What's the other side of this double-edged sword? Um, one, more eyes can frequently mean more opportunities. When people know who you are, it's easier to get work. And with the rise of, like, of social media fame, um, there's been a change in uh, how someone is seen as valid. Uh, back in the old days, to have that sort of stamp of approval, um, an artist would get press. Press was the stamp of approval. Like, I've been reviewed by the media, someone's done an interview on me, uh, etc. And now, um, 200,000 followers on Instagram uh, feels very similar to uh, a bit of press. So that's kind of a cool way that it's turned that status quo on its head. The other way that it can be beneficial, um, other than it's easier to get work if people know who you are, uh, it offers you a stamp of approval, a sense of legitimacy if a lot of people know who you are. And if you are selling something through these platforms, conversion rates just mean it's about the math from a financial perspective. So let's switch it over and talk about what to do if you suddenly find you have a lot of eyes on you that weren't there before. Um, now, you may be wondering, like, Rachel, why are you talking about this? Because, like, you're not that famous. <laughs> like, That's true. Um, but I do have a lot of famous friends. I'm very proud of all of them. And I have gotten to hear, you know, from their perspective, what it's like to be known by so many people. Uh, my own experience with suddenly having a lot of eyes is much smaller and it's for uh, a piece of writing but I'll share the experience I wrote an article called my big butt and why I don't work for Cirque du Soleil it was a blog post because I used to write a blog uh, it's still alive you can see it I'll link that article in the show notes uh, I wrote that and published it just you know here we go, another blog post, dum ba dum bum bum Woke up the next day and my email list um, signups had like gone over 10 times what it was the night before. And my eyes just did not blink for the day. It got shared over and over and over again. And this is a relatively small amount of, of eyeballs we're talking about. But it got uh, 125,000 uh, views in like overnight, uh, which was 
very scary to me was I was not used to that many eyeballs at all. I, I barely had Instagram at this point. But there it was, and it happened, and now I had all these new people staring at me, and uh, the thing that I did is the thing that you should not do, which is nothing. Um, uh, the thing that you should do is continue on exactly as you were doing before. I think there's a certain feeling that people get when they have a rush of new attention. They're like, I gotta capitalize on this, and I gotta like grab it by the throat and squeeze it, um, and yeah. No, you don't. Uh, just continue on doing exactly the thing that you were doing before. With the possible new addition of some boundaries that, that you may not have needed before, and you, you might need them now. You may choose to uh, not allow people to DM you or something like that. I don't know. There's lots of settings. I don't use any of them on, on Instagram, but there's lots of things that you can, you know, mess around with in, in settings and in privacy. Uh so that you're in a place where you're comfortable and where you can keep doing the thing that you were doing before. You know, just keep on keeping on. Uh, the thing that I did was just nothing because uh, I got all freaked out. I'm like, well, now the next thing I have to write has to be better than this thing. And it was just not correct. Because, of course, as a result, I didn't write anything for a long time. If I'd had uh, the skills and, frankly, the emotional fortitude at that time to just see it as another thing, you know, good news, bad news, who can tell? Just going to keep on keeping on, keep doing what I do. It would have been healthier for me. And it is a skill to, to receive um, the response to your work in the world uh, with a modicum of neutrality. And I'm not just talking about uh, criticism, particularly cruel criticism. I mean, obviously, that's not something that you should let temper your own opinion on your work and what you're making. But also the, the glowing criticism. I knew an acrobat in San Francisco who was um, fucking amazing and had a really compelling stage presence and uh, I performed in a show alongside him. He was talking to his girlfriend afterwards, and uh, people were just swarming him, like, oh my god, that was amazing, you're incredible, you're so inspiring, blah, 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 blah. And he was very polite, he's like, thank you, thank you, and like went backstage to kind of get alone and talk to his girlfriend. And he was like, you just, you can't let that stuff get to you. And she said, was someone unkind to you? And he was like, no, I'm talking about the thank yous. Like, obviously, if somebody says something cruel to me, I'm not going to let that impact my work and how I think about myself. But the same thing goes for people telling you that you're amazing all the time. Whether or not you're being showered with compliments or showered with criticism, your job is still the same. Make your work and put your work forward. And the job is always like you and your creative practice. So yeah, the name recognition doesn't change your job. Your job is still the same. It can change uh, It can change other things. It can change your relationship to a platform and it can change uh, by way of bringing you more opportunities. So um, yay for you if that is happening to you. Uh, congratulations. If it happens to you, don't be scared. Just keep doing what you were doing. Um, post the thing that you were going to post anyway. 
make the work that you were going to make anyway. And if needed, uh, some more boundaries. My air conditioning just kicked on. That's what that sound is. Um, <laughs> and looking at the time now that the AC is on and buzzing in the background would be a good time for me to wrap this up. Um, thank you to Jess and thank you to Jenny, both of whom contributed to this episode. Uh, I appreciate your questions very much. And if anybody wants another podcast and you have a subject that you'd like explored, you can reach me on Instagram at Rachel Strickland Creative or on Patreon at Rachel Strickland Creative. And extra special, lovely, squishy thank yous to my amazing patrons for making this possible. This would not exist without you. Don't go back to sleep. <laughs>